Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and this is going to be fun. We have Rob Downey back. He's the president and CEO of Animate Dog Food. And we're going to do some deep dive. We're going to drill down a little bit. and We're going to talk about what goes into dog food. And we're going to talk about three terms that I think sometimes we don't always, even those of us that, as I was just saying to Rob, obsessively read labels, don't necessarily understand. And that is what is meat meal, and byproduct. Did I get it right? You got it right. Yes. I'm so proud. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion loves helping pets get the care they need. That's why they're excited to announce that they've officially paid out over two billion, that's with a B, billion dollars in veterinary claims. That's 2 billion reasons for more tail wags and treats. That's 730,000 pets that got the care they needed. Trepanion would like to thank all of the owners and breeders who've trusted them over the last 22 years. If you're part of the Trepanion Breeder Support Program, don't forget to register your upcoming litters for their go-home day offers. That way you can send them home protected by Trepanion's world-class coverage. If you're not part of the program yet, what, what, what? it's completely free to join and lets you send your litters home with an offer for a full Trupanion insurance policy that waives the waiting periods. To learn more and to sign up, just visit my partner page at puredogtalk.com. Okay, <laughs> so welcome, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm okay. I'm all right. It's snowing. So I'm hoping that we're going to be good through this whole thing. It's going to be awesome. So talk to us. You're looking at your label. No matter what brand of food you're buying, everybody's looking at labels. So what is it we should be looking for in order to have our best nutrition for our dog? Well, I think to start this conversation, we have to back up a little bit and look at what those statements mean and definitions come from. And and that really comes from AFCO. Okay. And you'll see on the package, whether it be canned, frozen, or whatever, the AFCO statement. Mm-hmm. And AFCO is the American Association of Feed Control Officials. Okay. They don't regulate pet foods. What they do is they set up the guidelines, and then the regulation goes through the FDA and the Department of Agriculture in most states. So AFCO is actually a volunteer organization each person gets a vote and you have to be on one of these bodies, whether it be FDA, APCO, or USDA. So each state has the ability to regulate how they view it. And the sad part is those regulations are open to the interpretation of each state official. So every state has a feed control official. Okay. And as a pet food manufacturer, for me to sell in each state, I have to be approved by that state. So you have to send your labels in to each individual state 
I had no idea. This is like mind blown, literally mind blown. Well, each state official then has to look at it, and the rules state it's open to the interpretation of each individual official. So we have literally had a label approved in, say, 26 states. The 27 state rejects it, and we make the change that they require and reapply it, and now one of the original 26 states. So sometimes you almost figure like you're in a game of whack-a-mole. That is insanity. And it's not like you can make different labels for different states. Right, right. So, I mean, it gets crazy. And one case in particular, we had an ingredient that was rejected. And I know it was an okay ingredient. It was approved by all these states. But this one state was rejecting it. And so didn't matter what I said, they rejected it. So you know what I did? The one thing they're afraid of, is they don't want to take on big kibble or big companies and get in a lawsuit. Right. So after all these rejections, I literally took a picture of this ingredient on a bag from one of the big kibble companies and sent it to them. And within an hour, we were approved. Oh my God, that is it. Are you allowed to tell me what the ingredient was? No, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Okay, no trade secrets. Got it. (laughs) So they're the ones that determine the terminology that we're allowed to use. Right. And so, for example, fresh meat, if the meat you use has been frozen at any time, it's no longer considered fresh. Okay. So as a manufacturer, I wouldn't trust shipping non-frozen meat. What I call fresh meat, I want frozen. Right. And I'll thought when I want to use it. but then I can't attach the word fresh to it. I think that's a little crazy. Interesting. Then you get into the term meal. And meal is actually a processing term where you take raw meat and it's heated up. Moisture's removed. A lot of the fat's removed. And it becomes a powder. And it's raised so you don't have the bacterial problem. And then that's how it's shipped as a meal. And then that's also called a rendered ingredient. And AFCO is pretty strict about rendered. Anytime you change the physical component or whatever, you heat it up or you do this or do that, now it becomes a rendered product. So even in the food chain, like for instance, my local meat store, if they make a sausage, if it was in the pet industry, that would be considered rendered. Okay. All right. I'm following. (laughs) And the other thing that is kind of interesting, the term meal Mm-hmm. isn't used in most parts of the world. Like if I use chicken meal, somebody in Europe, they don't have the term meal. They would call it dehydrated chicken or simply chicken. Interesting. Okay. They don't use the term meal. Now, the advantage of using a meal is that basically the moisture has been removed. Mm-hmm. So if I'm ordering chicken meal, a truckload, it's only going to be 10% moisture. Right. I'm ordering fresh chicken. A truckload is going to be 70% water, only 30% dry matter. But when you read the label on the ingredient list, it's according to wet weight. So it includes all that water. That's why when you see a fresh meat formula or a meat formula, there's always seems to be more meat ingredients because there's so much water added. That Then, of course, when you're doing an extruded product, that all gets kicked out. Okay. And so then meat 
is one thing. Meal is the other thing. Byproducts. Right. So chicken meal is basically skin, muscle, and no internal organs like you can't have organ meat in it. You can have some bone in it. But when you go to byproduct meal, that's when the organ meat gets involved. And that's really starting to become a bigger consideration now when you start to look at the new concern in the pet industry is copper storage issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you need to understand that copper is stored in the liver. Right. So if you're worried about copper, you should be avoiding liver products. So things like chicken byproduct meal would be more concerned if you're concerned about copper than chicken meal. And so when we talk about byproducts, I mean, everyone has seen every horrible thing about, you know, the dog food industry scraping up the bottom of the barrel. You know what I'm saying? How much of that is real and how much of that is blather? Well, honestly, till a few years ago, it was pretty real. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't that many years ago that you could use 4D meats. So in a slaughtering facility, 4D means dead, diseased, dying, or down. Down, yeah. And so now that has been banned. Am I correct or I'm not correct? With the Food Modernization Safety Act, which really started to make pet food companies act more like human food companies, that's all been eliminated. Okay, so there's now no dog food out there that's using that grossness. There's no dog food that's supposed to be using that. Okay. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't trust everybody. So as a manufacturer, you really got to know your suppliers and have faith in them. Some of these people we've been working with for 30 years, I know them like friends. But, you know, there's always the low-end guy that's going to cut the corners. and Right. Okay. I'm done now. <laughs> yeah, right? Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Heads up, crew. We have a super exciting opportunity for all 291,000 of you. What? Right? We want to hear from you. What products and services do you love in the dog world? Through March, you will find a link to a quick survey at puredogtalk.com to give us that information. And because I know it can seem daunting to carve five minutes out of a jam-packed day, I am prepared to bribe you, for real, everyone who completes the survey this month will receive one free Pure Pep Talk mentoring message and be entered in a series of drawings. The grand prize winner will receive one full year paid membership in our amazing patrons group. Additional prizes include a free download of the audiobook, Auntie Laura's Beginner's Guide to Show Dogs, a free download of the first aid kit video with Dr. Marty Greer, and free Pure Dog Talk wine tumblers. So hey, take a couple minutes, swing by puredogtalk.com and complete your survey for the good of the order and a chance at some extra goodies. Okay, so we've identified now which is which in our list. And so talk about what that's going to look like on the label a little bit more. So typically, if you're going to have, and we call them fresh meat formulas, even though according to AFCO, 
They're not fresh meat because the meat's been frozen. And so typically that'll be the number one ingredient. And that tends to be 70% moisture. So once that water's gone, now you only have 30% of meat. So typically that's always backed up then by a meal. So you'll see chicken or deboned chicken, deboned lamb or whatever. And then usually the next ingredient or the third ingredient will be a meal, whether it be chicken or lamb or whatever, to really bring the protein back up. Okay, because where it's listed on the ingredients list is by weight and when you get the water out. Got it. So in other words, it goes by the weight going into the extruder. Got it. I do a lot of lectures and one of the things that I always show is, you know, do an ingredient list. Mm -hmm. Which one would you pick here? And well, you show all these raw fresh meat ingredients. Well, once you remove that moisture, then there isn't really much more there's usually less meat than in the one that's using meals. So in a lot of cases, the better buy is the formula that's using meal, provided it's a good meal. Mm -hmm. And is there a way for the educated consumer to identify good meal from bad meal, for example? Well, the only way they could do that is if they have the ash content listed usually. Okay. Or ask the company because... Basically, when you're looking at a meal, it tends to be protein, tends to be mineral. Mineral tends to be non-digested material. Mm-hmm. So you want something that's low ash. Okay. Now, the problem is AFCO doesn't recognize the term low ash. So I can't put on my bag low ash chicken. That's not an accepted term. But to show <laughs> you the difference, good quality, and it doesn't even have to be meal. It could be fresh meat. If there's a lot of bone in it. They're going to have more mineral and more non-digestible. So a good quality meat or fish is 62 to 74% protein and only 10 or 11% ash. Poor quality meat or fish is 42 to 46% protein and 24% ash. Wow. Now see the difference? Now the scary part is they're both going to be called chicken or they're both going to be called salmon or beef or whatever. Right. This is why I'm saying for the educated consumer, how do we then identify that? Because I can't think of a dry kibble bag that I've seen ash listed as a, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we've listed it for years. Okay. And now what we're doing is we're transitioning from having it on the bag on our website we're going to have an average nutrient analysis of all of our products. Oh, that's Because cool. one of the things that bothers me about guaranteed analysis, it says minimum or maximum. That doesn't really tell you much. If you have an overweight dog and the fat content is minimum 12%, well, what's the max? Is it 20%? Oh, okay. Once again, you just blew my mind. I never actually thought about that. Okay. I will tell you, <laughs> I've been doing this for... 40-some years. Maybe I've been doing it too long. I consider myself a relatively educated consumer, and I just had my mind blown. (laughs) I will tell you that the single most costly ingredient in a pet food is quality protein. Sure. So when you see on that bag, it says uh, minimum 24, minimum 26, or minimum 30. The max isn't going to be much different because it's too expensive. Right. One of the things that it might change a bit is fat, because fat is cheap. And you're always trying to get rid of it. So if a company says minimum 12% fat, it could be 16% fat. Wow. Now, having said that, 
Now we're transitioning into obesity, which is really the number one problem in dogs, just like it is in humans. Yes. But if you're worried about the fat levels, and you should be because there's twice the amount of calories in a gram of fat as there is in protein or carbohydrate. So it's just like in humans, calories in versus calories out. So if you want to maintain the weight on your dog and you're looking for something to lose weight, look for a term, a bag called lean, light, or low calorie, because those are AFCO approved terms, which requires the pet food company to have a minimal amount of fat. And not only are we required to put a minimum amount, we're required to put a max. On those particular types those particular of names. So if it says lean, like we make a lean product, Animate Lean, to be within the standards, we're only allowed a minimum of 7% fat and a maximum of 9% fat. And we're also required to have a certain minimal amount of kilocalories per gram or kilocalories per kig. Mm-hmm. But if you see the name weight management, fat dog, fit and trim, any of those other terms, those aren't AFCO approved terms. So you have any amount of calories in them. Interesting. Like I recently saw a bag of weight management that another company, they have twice the amount of fat in it than we do in Animate Lean. So I don't know how you would expect your dog's going to lose weight on a <laughs> diet with that high of fat. Fascinating. But most people just look at the label and they see minimum or max. And right. don't think about. So what we're trying to do is that's why we put the average independent lab analysis on our website for each product all the way down through. And we're upgrading it because we're continually sending out samples to independent labs. So those numbers are going to fluctuate. I mean, you're a smaller manufacturer than some of the giant kibble companies across the industry. Does it change per what would we think of it? Batch or something like that? It shouldn't. And I mean, you're always going to get an outlier. You know, if they don't mix the batch right, maybe this one's going to have a little more fatter. But I'm pretty impressed with how consistent it is. Okay. One of the problems is some of the bigger kibble companies might be producing at multiple plants. And do they have a variation that way? But Okay. Interesting. Okay. So I've had my mind blown up twice already and we're 20 minutes in. So I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) So talk us through a little bit more on the concept of byproducts, because most of us grew up of the mind that that's icky, that's bad, that's not something we want. Is that still accurate since the change of the industry? No, I think it's improved greatly. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, there are certain things that you just can't put in that you used to. Right. You know, there was always a concern about what was actually in there. One of the products I'd still recommend staying away from is something like meat and bone meal. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, if I'm using chicken meal, mm-hmm. it has to have chicken in it. And so I tell people, look for specific term ingredients. So if it says poultry, it's got to be chicken, turkey, or duck. Chicken means it actually has to be chicken. Fish meal, it could be several different kind of fishes. So one of the problems with that is, It could be salmon this week. It could be tilapia next week. But if it says salmon, it's got to be salmon. And especially with meat and bone meal, it could be any mammal, which think about what that opens up. You know, so with something like meat and bone meal, basically you're required to report 
calcium, phosphorus, protein levels, but not necessarily what animal it came from. So I always tell people, look for specific terms like beef meals got to be beef. Pork mm-hmm. meals got to be pork. Mm-hmm. Meat and bone meal could be any number of things. But in meal, you're not allowed to put in any beaks, feet, anything like that. Once it opens the byproducts, it changes a bit. Okay. That's good to know. Do we have any sense of this? We've talked primarily about kibble. Does or how does this apply in a canned or a frozen or a dehydrated or, you know, does anything change if the type of food changes? AFCO regulations or AFCO rules, you know, apply to all different type of products, whether they be canned. Obviously, raw is not going to be using a meal because it's raw. So there's going to be those kind of things. But as far as canned or air dried or anything like that, they still have to follow the AFCO regulations. Okay. That was my question. If anything changed, if it went to the, like the frozen raw, some of those kind of things like that. The problem is some companies are small enough. They fly under the radar. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to have to throw this in because it's so timely. We just had the Super Bowl and there was that huge farmer's dog ad. Right. So speak to us about this concept. That's a gently cooked concept. The idea is that They're concerned that raw, you know, you're worried about the bacteria and contamination to the human health aspect and everything. And then on the other hand, they think, well, kibble's overcooked. So I got an idea. Let's start it gently cooked. Do we think there's anything other than a marketing ploy in this? Or how do we feel about this whole concept? Me personally, I haven't done any work with it, so I couldn't judge it. I do know that it is a hot commodity for venture capital firms. And they're dumping a ton of money into it. I honestly wonder if it's going to be financially sustainable over time. It had a Super Bowl ad, for God's sake. I mean, you know, you know there's money in it. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, let's face it. I mean, one thing we learned in 2008 is the pet industry's recession-proof. And so there's money being thrown around all the time. And I just recently saw a report from one of the big financial institutions that claimed that the pet industry is now going to triple by 2030. Think about that. 2030. It's only seven years. Everybody bought a dog during the pandemic? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think it, part of that goes back to the, the, I think I've talked about it before, the humanization of pets. Whereas, yeah. you know, now they're not pets. They're parts of the family. They're just like kids. People are willing to spend more. And they're also starting to understand that there is a difference in products and When I start talking about the different in ash levels and the difference in protein quality, it pretty much now explains why you could have two products on the shelf next to each other that virtually read almost identical, and the difference in price could be $10 or $12 a bag. And you think, well, this company's ripping me off. Well, maybe that company's not ripping you off. Maybe the other company's underselling. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Okay. Well, this has been my Valentine's treat for myself to have my brain blown up on topic. I thought I was pretty good on. This is good. Good job. (laughs) My Valentine's (laughs) gift to you. Excellent. I love it. Keep having me back. I keep blowing your mind. I mean, I love my job because I get to learn cool stuff. (laughs) This falls in that category. So that's right. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. 
The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.